Good morning. Welcome to First EC Church this morning. Um, I know that uh, we have a couple of announcements. I have a few that are not in the in the bulletin. I am not going to go down through everything. So I encourage you to grab one of these pink bulletins that were out there on your on your way out, so that you have have all the news. I will highlight, however, the one about the R and K subs sale because that. That the, the money and the forms are due today. Uh, get that get that to uh, to Donna Ro- Rogers, excuse me, um, because that is um, that is due today. There's a new address for for Marilyn Silphy in here as well, um, and I encourage you to to read all the rest of it as well. It's all good information. I also wanted to share with you two announcements that were or two things that were given to me this morning. One is about LCCM and the fact that they're um, they're looking for some help with, with fundraising and so forth. They're, they're not doing Box City or bingos um, like they used to. So they're just asking you to maybe be creative about the way you do some fundraising. If you have any experience with Facebook, you know that when it's, when it's your birthday, you can set something up and have people give, and they give to whatever charity you set up for. It doesn't even have to be your birthday. You can just set something up. So if you want to create some some unique way to, to gather funds, or if you just want to go ask people for, for some help, or if you just want to make a donation to LCCM. They're looking for, for some help. They don't have any organized activity this year for their, for their fundraising. And then this morning, just this morning, uh, we did receive an invoice for the, for the roof and so forth, and I know there have been questions about it, and this is not going to turn into a congregational meeting, but I just wanted to give you some information uh, because I know that you had agreed to spend a, like up to a hundred thousand or something like that, and and how did that work out? Well, they came in well in under budget. The invoice uh, is for just under nineteen thousand dollars. So um, everything's been done from that point of view. And then if you have questions, of course, you can talk to the property people about about what's next or whatever. But just wanted to let you know that that certainly sounds like that's good news. If everybody was worried about 100000 and this is only five figures instead of six, so it's about a tenth, you know, or a, about a fifth of what you were maybe expecting might, might, be, might be spent. Yes, it's good. <laughs> so, um, any, other, any other announcements that really need to be made for the, the, good, of the good of the family here? You hold it. All right. Well, then let's refocus, focus our minds on, on why we're here. We're here to, to serve the, or to praise the Lord. Hopefully we've been serving the Lord through the week. And we're here this morning to just stop, to pause, to, to, uh, to just gather in his rest and in his, in his sanctuary. And um, as you think about what you, what you, lived what you experienced this week. I hope you can think of all sorts of ways in which the Lord provided for you, um, protected you, guided you. And so many times when, when someone does something like that, and, or if you're sitting somewhere and, and, and someone speaks to you and, and you like what they did, you, you like the, the talk that they gave, what's, your, what's the first reaction as soon as they're done? Usually, you applaud, right? This morning's call to worship is from Psalm 47. 
And the first verse says, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. And you're thinking, uh-oh, I know where he's going with this. I know this is going to be awkward. This is not something we do very often or you do very often. But I want us to clap. I want us to applaud God for what he did for us this week. Because it tells us to do that. And I want you, you don't necessarily have to shout. Don't make this irreverent in in any way, but there's nothing wrong with shouting if you're doing it authentic. Shout to God with cries of joy. Thank him for something he did for you this week. And let's give him a a big applause. Let's clap for God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. (laughs) All right. Now, how many felt that was awkward? (laughs) But, But there's nothing wrong with it. He wants to hear our praise. He wants to hear us thank him like that. It says, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord most high is awesome. The great king over all the earth. Jumping down to verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. I think we get the clue. We're going to sing some praises. Amen, amen. Let's stand. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are to reflect that light. Uh, Shine, Jesus, shine.
moments like these, we can lift up our hands for this one. take a moment now to to lift up any prayer concerns we'll also listen to any praises that you might have for the week I'd like to have prayer for my friend Joanne she is going to um, go see um, two of the neurologists doctors this week and uh, for her aneurysm so I would like prayer for her thank you okay girlfriend of 53 years Holly who's battling cancer and also for Marlene who is having a lot of problems uh, also oh, two praises the flowers out in front of the church are beautiful and I can finally get into my clawfoot tub to get a shower after breaking my hip in March. 
All right. I just want to thank the kids that showed up to help put up the tables out there in the fellowship hall. Unasked, just showed up and said, what can we do to help? And we put them to work putting up tables, and it was up in no time. So thank you, everybody who showed up and helped without even being asked. If uh, everybody could say a prayer for Amanda, she's um, accepted, well, she's been offered, I should say, I don't know if she's accepted it yet, but a new job has a, a management position over at the Perkins in Camp Hill, Lemoyne area. So uh, she'd possibly be leaving her job she's been at for quite some time and leaving all her clientele and friends, <laughs> but um, prayers for her on this next adventure. Okay. You have, okay, you've got a mic, good, Amy. Yes, um, from Zoom, Jim Rothline would just like prayer that he lost his part-time job this week, so prayers that he can find some other source of work and income that he can continue to get by. Um, and also, as a side note, he didn't mention it, but he's been posting lots of poems on Facebook, so he's been very prolific with his creativity, which is awesome. Um, but just also prayers for him that he can find another job. Okay. I just have a praise. Um, yeah, this past week I did have COVID. That wasn't the praise, but it was a very mild case of COVID and uh, um, doing very, very well with it. So, um, yeah, praise him for that. Any others? Okay. Well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Good morning, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this new day. We thank you for the gift of a, of a new day and an opportunity to, to not only to serve you, but to gather as a, as a family and to worship you. And Father, we ask you to consider those that you know are in need of, of healing, in need of care. We we ask you to be with the doctors and the nurses and the specialists uh, for Joe this week as she, as she visits several and gets ready for um, whatever treatment is necessary for her aneurysms. We pray for, for Holly and, and her cancer and then also Marlene. And we just, we just pray for your, your healing touch on them. We thank you. We praise you for the healing that you have given John, and thank you for the healing that you've given Joyce and, and the mobility that she's uh, enjoying now. We thank you for the way you touch people's heart and uh, that they can just offer to, to help without being asked and jump in and, and get a job done very quickly. We ask for your, your guidance and your discernment for Amanda as she considers this new job opportunity, and we ask you to open doors for Jim Rothline and give him opportunities for, for new income. 
Father, we thank you for, for the jobs that we do have. We thank you for the way you do provide for our needs. And so we praise you and ask you to, to bless our offering that is gathered here this morning. We ask you to, to bless it and to use it in a way that will further your, your kingdom, but also to further your church here in Palmyra. Father, we love you and we thank you for, for everything that you do for us. And we just, we thank you for the way you care for us and the way you care for, for all that have been, have been mentioned here this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'll ask you to stand again as we sing hymn number 393.
may be seated. And consider the question, are you ready to surrender your comfort? I mentioned before that um, as a pastor, I, I didn't make this up, I heard this from a pastor before, that as a pastor our job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So this morning I'm going to be probably doing the latter because today's Today's topic, as we continue our, our series on American idols, today we're going to be talking about the idol of comfort. And I'm using an Eagles song this week as a title. I don't know if anybody recognized that as, as an Eagles song. Take It Easy. They had a song called Take It Easy. And that's what we're going to be uh, using as our title this morning. The idol of comfort. And, and the idol of comfort even comes with a symbol, a symbol that can be found in every one of your homes, I bet. And you didn't even know you, you were doing that. The symbol, as an idol of comfort, is the remote control. <laughs> with this one device, you can select various sources of entertainment pleasure. Netflix, Disney+, Hulu, Prime Video, Cable... And each of these various sources has hundreds of choices, right? Movies, TVs, documentaries, live sports, cartoons. (laughs) I left out the best one. And you can enjoy all of this without ever leaving the comfort of your lazy boy recliner. (laughs) You can rule your world with this one device i got to remember to take it home then, too. (laughs) Now, just like every other idol, and again, I hope you remember as we talk about these things, just like every other idol, the object of our worship, what we're talking about this morning, comfort, comfort on its own is not bad, okay? And every one of these things that we talk about is not bad on their own. It's about how, how we let it control us and so forth. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable. We can see examples in the Bible, In the Old Testament, Psalm 23, David writes about how God makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. That's a very comfortable, very relaxing picture. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Another picture of comfort. Jesus wants to provide comfort. Comfort is a good thing, but we have to be careful with it. We think about how we have adjustable beds, air conditioners, noise-canceling headphones, home spas. I've been having conversations with with Dave recently about first-world problems. Our dishwasher just broke. First-world problem, you know. We'd have so, so many other countries that they would just be happy to have a dishwasher. Of course, they probably wouldn't be able to use it because they wouldn't have electric to, to hook it up to, but, or maybe not even the, the fresh water to, to hook into the side of it. But we're so used to all of these comforts. And, and where does it stop? Comfort has become an idol for us, something that we expect, something that we feel we're entitled to. It seems that we even expect comfort when we're so-called roughing it. 
I wanted to share a couple of examples here. A list of comments and suggestions that were submitted to the staff of a wilderness area in the state of Wyoming. Okay, this is, a, this is an area you go out, you go take your hikes, it's a wilderness area. These are actual comments and suggestions. The first one, trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. <laughs> Too many bugs and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness area to get rid of these pests. Another one, please pave the trails so they can be plowed clear of snow in the winter. I just don't think they're getting it here. Chairlifts need to be in some places so we can get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. Here's, I guess, a, a camper here. This, one's, this one was, a small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can get reimbursed? <laughs> Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with flashlights. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. <laughs> you, yep. <laughs> that one will sink in if it didn't already. Someone suggested that there's too many rocks in the mountains. And here's the, here's the, the, the clincher, the one we'll end with. Of course, someone had to make this suggestion. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. <laughs> so, oh yes, we certainly do like our comfort in America. We don't just like our comfort, we cherish it. We worship it. In fact, we're often like the Israelites of Amos' day. Instead of worshiping the God of all comfort, we worship the God of my comfort. Now, Amos was a man who lived during the time of King Jeroboam II of the northern kingdom up in Israel and King Uzziah of Judah in the southern kingdom. And this was a time when both of those kingdoms were enjoying a period of prosperity and stability. You could basically say they were both enjoying a, a very nice period of comfort. Everything was going well for them. And they're able to just take it easy and during this time, there was a shepherd named Amos. He lived in Tekoa, that's near Bethlehem, and that's up in or down in Judah in the southern kingdom. But sometime around 749 or 750 B.C., he took a trip to Bethel. That's in Israel. That's up in the northern kingdom. So here's this southern fella. He's going up north, and he spends a day or two delivering some pretty scathing remarks. So what was his problem? Was he bitter because his life as a shepherd was a lot harder than these people that maybe he resented that, that were well off and, and living the cushy life? Well, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. Amos was contacted by God. Amos was a prophet, and he was delivering a message that God had given him. Amos is warning all of these complacent people in Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom, and also Zion, the capital of the southern kingdom. He's warning them because their comfort had made them blind to the world around them. I want to highlight just a part of Amos' message from the sixth chapter, starting at verse 1. So I'm going to read Amos chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion! 
And to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation, to whom the people of Israel come. So when he addresses the the notable men, as it says, notable men of the foremost nation, he's, he's speaking to dignitaries. He's speaking to what we would call celebrities, the rich and the famous, the kind of people that would have sat in the air-conditioned box seats at the sports stadium, right? Or people who would cut ribbons at dedication ceremonies, the people that we would say were important people in the community. These are the people that he's prophesying to, and he's pronouncing God's judgment on their comfort and their ease and their complacency that goes with it. And then in verses 2 and 3, he says, Go to Kalna and look at it. Go from there to Great Hamat, and then go down to Gath in Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. He's reminding them of some nice cities that used to be a lot like Zion and Samaria. They were enjoying a booming economy also. They were living in the lap of luxury. They were on top of the world until misfortune fell down on them. These three cities, Kalna, Hamat, and Gath, they had all been conquered by the Assyrians and had been left in ruins. And so he says to them, do you, do you think you're any better than they were? Don't you think they were pretty comfy in their fancy homes and palaces too? And then Amos points a finger at the people living in comfort and ease. And he says in verses 4 through 7, he says, You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. They had it good. They enjoyed every delicacy they wanted. As a nation and as individuals, they were at the top of the economic pyramid. Sort of like life in the Western Hemisphere. Specifically, like the United States. If Amos would write this today, I think it might sound something like this. You lie in adjustable beds with memory foam mattresses and advanced contour pillow features and veg out in your lazy boy recliners. You dine regularly at Red Lobster and Outback and have freshly prepared meals delivered to your door. You revel in your high-def plasma screen TVs. You delight in your surround sound stereo systems. And when it gets too loud, you just ask Alexa to turn it down. You drink your extra-large lattes and cappuccinos and unwind in your home jacuzzis or by stepping under your pulsating shower head. But you're not bothered by the ruin of God's people. Well, now, hold on a cotton-picking minute, Amos. There's nothing wrong with a nice Starbucks latte or my flat-screen TV. What's your problem? Well, the problem for us is the same as the problem for Israel and Judah in Amos' day. It's not that we have a few comforts. It's, the problem is that our comforts have us. 
When Amos pronounced woe on the comfortable people of Zion and Samaria, he was not complaining about them drinking alcohol. That wasn't a problem. He wasn't complaining about the fact that they were making up songs. That's fine. He wasn't condemning them just because of their fancy beds or their lavish meals. That's fine, too. He condemned them for turning their ease into complacency and their comfort into an idol and not being aware of what was going on around them. And we can be the same way. I I like my recliner sofa and my air conditioning as much as anybody. But somewhere along the way, we've come to actually expect it, to expect comfort, to cherish it, to to even demand it. I I remember being surprised the first day I walked into the the church office, and, and I had forgotten that there is not central air in there. I opened the, the door and poof, I got hit with, I don't know, 85 degrees and 95% humidity or something. I mean, it was boom. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a, this is a pretty hot office. How am I going to survive in here? But of course, there's an air conditioning unit, a, a, a window unit. Just turn that on, go out and walk around here for a little while, give it time to, to cool down the office. But you get that that initial thought, like, where is my air conditioning? Why is it so hot in here? We've just come to expect that sort of thing. Many Americans who sincerely claim to follow Christ will think twice about attending church when it's too hot outside, or when it's raining, or when it just looks like it's going to rain. American Christians who continued to worship through COVID by using Zoom, and that was a great thing. We found a way to do that, but now they found it difficult to give up the comfort of the couch and are missing out on the unity and community of church, and, and we're missing out on their part of, of our body. We have, we have a part of our body that's just missing. We've talked about that. Remember how the body comes together, and without all the parts, we're not complete. American Christians choose not to attend Easter sunrise service because they always schedule it so darn early. Some American Christians will even choose what church to go to based on whether or not they serve coffee or if they have comfortable seats. Now, don't get me wrong. I also appreciate padded seats and comfortable seating. I'm pretty sure God didn't demand that we sit in hard wooden pews when we gather to worship him. And there would be nothing wrong with cup holders in whatever kind of seating we had in our churches, especially if it's a church that desires to be welcoming to skeptics and seekers, people who are in our church but not yet followers of Christ. But we go too far when we demand and we expect comfort. We go too far when our expectation of comfort drives our decisions about our worship or about our service to our community. Comfort becomes an idol when it keeps me from hearing God and and doing what he wants me to do or what he's calling me to do. We're worshiping an idol when comfort influences how we respond to God instead of letting God influence how we respond to comfort. Let me say that again. When comfort influences how I respond to God instead of letting God influence how I respond to comfort, then I'm worshiping comfort as an idol. 
Comfort is an idol when it influences my expectations of what it means to be a Christian. In 1993, Princeton University sociologist Robert Wuthnow, he wrote the following observation. He says, at one time, theologians argued that the chief purpose of humankind was to glorify God. I think that's the way we we know it. That's the way we would define it. The purpose of humankind is to glorify God. He continues, now it would seem that the logic has been reversed. The chief purpose of God is to glorify humankind. Spirituality no longer is true or good because it meets absolute standards of truth or goodness, but because it helps me get along. I am the judge of its worth. If it helps me find a vacant parking space, I know my spirituality is on the right track. If it leads me into the wilderness, calling me to face dangers I would rather not deal with at all, well, then it's a form of spirituality I am unlikely to choose. I think he's got a pretty good handle on what has happened with our our spirituality. Instead of remembering that our purpose is to glorify God, we've got people who feel like God's there to glorify me and to make sure that my day goes well and and that I've got that vacant parking space, and the the lights are all going to turn green as I drive right up to them, and so forth. We're so accustomed to comfort that when our spiritual life hits a snag, or when our commitment to Christ costs us something, we panic and wonder what went wrong. Think about Job and his friends. But God never promised an easy, comfortable life. Nowhere in the Bible... Does it say that we will be appreciated and understood? Nowhere did Jesus tell us to expect our lives to be full of cupcakes and roses. The Bible doesn't say that all our expectations will be met. In fact, it says quite the opposite. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he writes, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And a little later he says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now they're not suggesting that we're supposed to go looking for this persecution. We're not supposed to be like some faith practices where they inflict pain on themselves, and I think they they interpret these things wrong. He's just telling us ahead of time, it's going to happen. So when it does happen, don't think that there's something wrong with your relationship with God. At the beginning of the book of James, he tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So judging from what we see in the word of God, comfort is not a common experience for men and women who are committed to following God. Certainly not Jesus, who didn't even consider the pain and shame of death on a cross to be too much for his father to ask. Amos rebuked the people of Zion and Samaria for their allegiance to comfort and their complacency toward the things that were breaking God's heart. Notice the key phrase in his rebuke. He says, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. 
He didn't, he went through a whole list of things of, of what they're doing, and he didn't say that they were wrong. He got to the point of what was wrong. You do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. They weren't grieving over the ruin of God's people. The people of Israel and Judah were careful and attentive to serve the best and most proper wine at their meals, but they were careless about the moral decline of their nation. They put a lot of effort and thought into just the right furnishings for their homes, but thought nothing of the need for spiritual revival among the people of God. Their comfort was all they cared about. They didn't grieve over the ruin of Joseph. They stayed in their cozy small groups because it was so comfortable while people around them were starving for community. They neglected the prayer opportunities that their church offers because they're not comfortable praying in front of a lot of people. I was the same way for a long time. They write checks for others to go on mission trips and service projects, but they don't go themselves because all the places that those people go are always so uncomfortable. They don't grieve over the ruin of Joseph. They measure their witness to a dying world against their own comfort level. They worship in ways they're comfortable with. They give amounts they're comfortable giving. They resign or stop attending or change churches when someone threatens their comfort, like asking them to sit somewhere else or asking them to help with a project. Because their comfort is their God. Please don't let this be true of you. Our expectation and worship of comfort is really a failure to trust God. Do you really believe that he is in control? Do you really believe he knows what he's doing? Do you really believe he knows what's best for you? Do you believe that if you deny yourself and sacrifice your own comfort that he would take care of you? Do you believe that his will is better than your own comfort? Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth in it, even when it makes us very uncomfortable. Father, help us to remember that there's nothing wrong with things that make us comfortable as long as we continue to control them and don't let them control us. Father, help us to have clear minds and to always follow you in our decision-making so that we don't put comfort ahead of you. Father, we just pray that when you call and when you ask us to, to follow you in some way, that we would be willing to give up whatever comforts need to be sacrificed and would say, here I am, I'm ready to follow. We pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'll ask you to stand as we sing our final hymn, hymn number 63.
pronounce the benediction, I just want to remind everyone to join us over in the fellowship hall for, uh, for the potluck dinner. So as you leave here and you go to your comfortable air conditioning, don't feel guilty, but just think about what it is that God provides for you. And may he guide you and protect you this week. And may you be willing to follow him whenever he calls. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.